Welcome to the MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast. This is Stan Jarai with my friend and yours, Nick Braccia. Nick, how excited are you for UFC 237, Nama Yunus versus Andrade? Um, I'm tentatively excited. I guess my, my concern is I think this is a really tough fight for uh, Rose Nama Yunus, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty good card. I think the main card should be exciting. Um, you know, I'm not thrilled that BJ Penn is and Clay Guida are fighting, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I, I hear you on that one. I do think that if BJ Penn should be fighting anybody in the UFC at this point, and he probably shouldn't, but if he's gonna fight anybody, it should be somebody like a Clay Guida. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose you're right. Uh, Old man division theory that Vitor Belfort thought he was going to get started simply by word of mouth uh, versus basically a division in which guys like him and Anderson Silva get to get to go to war again and again. Um, that's you know, there's a small example of it happening here. And like I said, I'd rather Clay Guida than a guy who can really hurt BJ with a nasty heel hook or or a knockout. Right. Although, although Clay Guida's gotten a knockout or two in the recent past, that could be a possibility in that one. And yeah, and it's, I mean, he may not have uh, flattened a lot of guys with it, but his, but his, you know, his ground and pound, he can bloody you up with his ground and pound. And lately, again, he's just gotten much more dangerous than he used to be. I think he's with Team Alpha Male at this point, and I think that's done a lot for him. I mean, for any kind of one-dimensional wrestler, that's probably a good spot for you to go to, as guys like him and uh, Darren Elkins showed. Even like a less athletic version uh, of of that wrestling prototype that Team Alpha Male is known for, I think can do well uh, training at that camp. I'm glad there's at least some kind of success story coming out of Team Alpha Male these days. True, it's it's definitely not the the very the very highest level of guys lately. They've been they've been going through a bit of a rough spot. So uh, a great card last week, Nick. Um, UFC on ESPN. You again, Stan. You're catching up. Say that again. I'm sorry. You ca- you're catching up. You beat me again. That's right, Nick. Uh, we are now six to five. I think it was two episodes ago, Nick, when I called this. I said that that I needed this win in, in the following week's win, and then we're almost caught up. Um, I actually i am not confident about my picks for this one. I think a lot of these odds are close, and for good reason. A lot of these fights are very, t- very tough to pick. So I honestly think it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, and maybe I feel like you tend to do better at those really hard-to-pick events. So this one might go, uh, might tip you to 7 to 5. Are you, are you saying that I, I guess lucky on those and on the easy no. ones? I don't, know, I don't know what I'm doing. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm actually saying <laughs> on the difficult ones, you somehow, uh, you somehow get the winners uh, closer to right. And you, you more often than not. Uh, will get that close decision. You will pick the fighter who will get that close decision because oh. you factor that into your breakdowns. Which not, not, not last week, not, not no, last week. No, no, sir, not last week. Uh, a couple of those went my way, and uh, and they really were close bouts. Dancing around the cage. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's um. What are you talking about Elias Theodore? Elias Theodore, yeah. Which, so which fights are um which fights from last week are worth talking about? I mean, the main yeah, event, obviously. Event. Yeah, you've got Iaquinta versus Cerrone. Uh, it was an old man versus the younger kind of prospect. Both are very much experienced in the UFC and outside of it. Um, certainly, Cerrone showed that once again, if you give him a shorter wrestle boxer, yeah, he'll do well. We talked. We both. We both identified that, and we talked about it, and we noted. We we had both noticed that pattern, 
I just thought that I thought that Al's uh, strength would be there, and Al looked smaller than I thought he would against Cerrone. Cerrone's size, um, I was much more aware of it than I than I usually am. I mean, I know he fought up at one seventy, but he's he's never he's never really occurred to me as a big guy, and I thought of Iaquinta as a big as a big one fifty five er, but that was a misconception uh, of mine. And yeah, uh, about it when I mentioned, uh, I think we compared Iaquinta and Poirier at one point. I'm still curious, like what Poirier would look like next to Cerrone, because I think of Poirier as a big lightweight as well. Well, he is now. Uh, he's put on a lot of muscle. Yes, yeah, yeah. Forty-five, but um, you know, Cerrone just looks just looks sturdy, and it was it was really the fact that um, you know, without without insane feints and some kind of ridiculous power double, or, or you know, like. Al was having a lot of trouble getting in. Uh, it was the same thing that happened. You know, I mean, he's not the wrestler Daniel Cormier is. He's a very good wrestler, but he's not. Um, and you know, Cormier trying to move in on uh, on John Jones gets you know gets picked apart a bit, lit up. Al was just ta- he was you know he was taking hard hard straights uh, on his way in, or he he would change levels and he'd catch a nasty knee. But he kept coming for twenty five minutes, and he also. He didn't get discouraged when he landed a couple of vicious hooks um, that Cerrone ate. And uh, it just, you know, Cerrone, used, he used his reach. He, uh, he moved when he, when he had to. He ate, he ate shots, and his cardio was great. Um, and he just, he, it's very simple. It was a fist fight, and he hit Al more than Al hit him. Yeah, and, and yeah, one of the reasons he did that, you're right, was the reach, was the fact that he was able to use it well. He did a great job of making it scary for Al to come in for that shot. He started throwing head kicks when Al would change levels to dissuade Al from kind of doing that and took that piece of uh, uh, that tool out of Al's repertoire for the bout. Al was scared to do some of these things. It sounded like uh, Ray Longo and the team were telling Al that he has to push forward and he has to pressure Cerrone in order to beat him and we've seen that work several times in the past in fact that's one of his kind of worst style matchups as a pressure fighter I think one of the things we're learning here is that you've got to be a pressure fighter but you've got to be a, a a man of close to equal size to Cerrone he is a large man and it's evident by how depleted he looks in the weigh-ins he looks like Connor did back at uh, Connor McGregor did back at 145 pounds I mean, he looked like Skeletor in that way, and then he looked fairly filled out and, and like a much bigger man than Ally Quinta on, the, on fight night. That made a difference. Uh, Cerrone basically took away the weapons and, and, made them, and made them dangerous to Ally Quinta, the weapons that Al thought he would need in order to beat Cerrone. It was a really good performance, and for the record, I only gave – Iaquinta that second round. I think some people gave uh, gave him that first round. I only gave Iaquinta that second round. I thought Cerrone basically out hustled him in every way. Yeah, I thought one could have gone either way, and I gave and I gave Iaquinta the second, but the third, fourth, and fifth weren't particularly close. I agree. Look, stuff. I look at people. You know, I mean, Nate Diaz picked Cerrone apart. Rafael dos Anjos beat him twice. Um, and Rafael dos Anjos isn't a guy with crazy reach, but he's got. He's just extremely well-rounded. Well, here's the thing about Dos Santos. Uh, Dos Santos, the first time he beat him, 
Uh, first of all, it's, it's that pressure style that gave Cerrone trouble in the past. But Dos Santos, uh, I'm sorry, Dos Santos is, uh, I think, one of the few shorter men that was able to uh, use that against Cerrone in the last several years. If you look at his record, it seems like there's kind of a, a, a line of a height of 5'10". And anything over that, if you're a really high-level fighter and you can pressure Cerrone, you're probably going to beat him. And anything 5'10 and under, um, and, and the further down from 5'10 you go, the less odds you have of beating the guy, regardless of a pressure style, because he's added the tools that he needs in order to, in order to combat that. Um, I think a Nate Diaz might still give uh, uh, Donald Cerrone some trouble because I do think he has a particular weakness, at least as, as his past has shown against Southpaws. But Nate Diaz being inactive and, and – and, and, I mean it's really the reach, the, the fact that they're in sim of similar height and Nate Diaz has the reach and the Southpaw and the pressure game that would give Nate a potential edge over Cerrone even at this point. But Iaquinta wasn't big enough. He, he couldn't just reach out and touch Cerrone without getting touched. And that proved to be a big part of the difference because Cerrone used that very well against him. I'd like to see – I mean, we're probably not going to see it. I'd love to see uh, Gregor Gillespie's wrestling up against, up against Cerrone. Would Cerrone um, pick him apart before he had a chance to uh, impose his wrestling will? Or would his, imposing his wrestling will even matter? Um, I think Gre Gregor is a much smaller man than Cerrone. Yes. I would, yeah, I, I think I would comfortably pick Cerrone. I mean, again, Gregor had some trouble. It took him a while to get into dominant positions against uh, Yancey Medeiros, for instance. Yep. It was the same thing against um, Hernandez, I think his last name is, the, the guy that just lost to Jim Miller. It, he, he, took, he took quite some shots in order to get to a point where he's really dominating that bout. Um, Donald Cerrone only gets stronger as the fight goes on. He's shown that at least in his last couple of bouts. And Gre Gregor does... You know, he's going to expend a lot of energy in those first couple of rounds, and mm -hmm. he's never been five rounds. So, yeah, I, I think I would comfortably pick Donald Cerrone, the much bigger man who's great against wrestle boxers. And Gillespie's basically mostly just a wrestler. If they were in a kickboxing bout, I don't think Gillespie would have a chance to land more than 10 yeah. or 12 shots. I agree. Um what else? Let me check, see what else was on. Uh, I had uh, Derek Brunson who picked up a much needed win over over the very. Yeah, we don't need, we don't need to talk either. about that fight. That was horrible. I do think Brunson should get some props. Um, not a lot of guys get wins over Theodore where they're just decisive victories. Um, and, and I think Brunson training with the uh, the former Black Zillions camp. I forget the name under 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 Henry Hoof now. I, I think it's doing some good for him. He's got some high-level training partners. He's got a game plan in mind. Um, this is a guy that he would have lost to a year ago. But, but now you know, he, he's showing more of that top-10 version of Derek Brunson that, that we saw years ago. Yep. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad to see it. Uh, there are blowout fights that are, that are worth talking about. I mean, Walt Harris looks better than he's looked before. Against, uh, against one of his worst opponents in a while, yeah. uh, presumably. But, yeah, I mean, it, he has power. And... You know, for guys that are going to fight back, it's really not that simple for Walt. And I do think there's a bit of a mental limit when it comes to a high level. But he looked really good just getting rid of Sergei Spivak in just a few moments. The uh, probably the most exciting fight when we look when we look back at this card, you know, two years from now is going to be Macy Chazon versus Sarah Maras, uh, who who Sarah Maras came out with a good game plan and uh, you know had a not had a not terrible first round, but 
holy shit. <laughs> Macy Chazon just when just went uh went into rage mode. Yeah. And, uh if I recall, um swept swept her and just pounded her into oblivion. I think she ended up she ended up in top position at the end of the first round and just inflicted some gnarly ground and pound and then I think it took till the end of the round. I think she got taken down. Sarah did a great job of just kind of going right at her, which I think Chazon didn't expect. Yeah, she was in control for for at least three and a half minutes of the round or to me. Really? I, I I it thought she late. had her there for maybe a minute. Maybe. It was late in the round that um uh, that Macy took control. She might have won the round on a lot of cards because she did she did an incredible amount of damage in a short amount of time. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think she clearly won that first round. Um, but but again, the way that I remember, maybe I'm wrong. I remember her taking her down and kind of holding onto her, and then being in kind of a locked position for a few moments, and then Macy ended up on top and doing damage shortly thereafter. I thought that until I thought it was definitely at, at least half the round. I think more than half the round. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and uh, and yeah, Macy just once she was able to go on the offense, it was very one sided. Um, but otherwise, not you know, not that much to. Uh, I think to- I, I think uh, a shout out is earned by Matt Sales for not only kind of out hustling Kyle Nelson, who who is a tough guy, who's a good fighter, but submitting him, man, he he caught the guy in that third round. That was impressive to me. Um, just a couple of minutes left in that third. He didn't. He he was winning the fight. He didn't necessarily need the finish, but he got it anyway. I thought that was cool to see. Um, and I do think. Uh, did, did you have any thoughts on that bout, Nick? Did you see it? Uh, not really. Not beyond what you've what you've said. Um, Andrew Sanchez uh, out hustled uh, Mark Andre Burrell Burrow Burrow, uh, and Marab Davashvili. I do think deserves uh, uh, some props here. A bunch of takedowns against Brad Katona. Did really well, dominated physically. I think there's a lot of guys that will have a lot of trouble dealing with Marab. Yeah, another strong, uh, another strong Longo Sara fighter. Agreed. Um, Shane Burgos also a shout out for that Cub Swanson win. He's a young prospect, and it was yeah, good. He he did great. You know, I thought Cub looked pretty good. I agree. I thought the Cub looked really sharp. I was I was happy, and I was hoping he would he would you know he'd be able to pull it out. Um, if if Cub is going to lose this, I'm comfortable with him losing to you know a guy with potentially a bright future who who's on the come up. Like if he's going to lose, let's make that loss uh, kind of worth something. And 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 I think that win for Shane Burgos is a, is a nice feather in his cap. Yeah, I thought that Cub. I thought I I could be wrong here. I felt like Cub was missing less than he has in his last few fights. I felt like his combos looked good, and then he was, and then he was landing a, a good percentage of his shots. I thought that he looked fresh uh, and sharp. Yeah, but, um, Shane Burgos tends to take a lot of shots. What's um, that? Shane Burgos tends to take a lot of damage for a guy with other like he, he's a guy with a lot of confidence in his defense, and his confidence is probably a little too high. Um, he probably overrates his defense a bit, and that's why he gets hit way more than he should. Uh, he gets hit in most of his fights, man. Like. It, it just seems inevitable for the guy, despite the fact that he seems slick a lot of the time. And Cub Swanson, you know, certainly still has enough to take advantage of that. And uh, he had some good moments. Uh, a very competitive, at least second round, uh, which could have gone to Swanson, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, one judge gave it to Swanson 30-27, but we don't, we don't need to talk about that. Absolute blasphemy. That better be like Cub Swanson's mom judging that fight or something. That is ridiculous. <laughs> 
Um, so let's talk about uh, the event in Rio. A solid main card for sure. A couple of those um, prelim fights, uh, a couple of them are you know seemingly unnecessary. Some that I'm a little bit less excited about than others, but I do think there's some good meat on the bones of those prelims as well. Um, a couple of good fights in there and certainly a couple of prospects that are worth watching. The main card, though, is really where all the names are, really where all the guys that, I mean, tend to deliver exciting fights almost without exception, I think. Um, what are your uh, what are your first impressions when you saw this card? Um, well, we've been waiting for for Rosanama Yunus to um, for, to defend for a while. I mean, this is really her first opponent, not named Joanna Champion, um, since she since she took the belt. The other, um, um, I guess I'm also excited about the Aldo fight. But let's let's kind of do our picks on the main event first. Very tough. Uh, most of the, in fact, all of the uh, um, uh, sports betting organizations, the odds makers, have Jessica Andrade favored slightly uh, in this fight. And over five rounds, it's it's hard to see. It's very hard to pick against Andrade. Um because of her incredible pressure uh, and because of her strength, Joanna Champion was not able to bully uh, Rose, Rose Namajunas. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and Joanna, after when she fought Andrade, uh, she, you know, she waited till she slowed down and got tired. She kind of rope-a-doped a little bit uh, in, the, in the first round. Um, and she's got, you know, she's got that incredible sprawl uh, sprawl and brawl style and and very you know very fast hand she was able to kind of point fight her um until she until she gassed a little bit and she felt a little bit more comfortable playing around in the pocket i don't um i think about rose's strengths and, and what she does and i i have a hard time not as much as i is as, as much as she's one of my favorite fighters I think it's a really tough matchup because I think that she can be I think that she can be bullied um, to the extent where even if she's not getting uh, badly injured um, that she's perhaps losing rounds um, and that's my that's my my biggest my biggest concern so it's just one of those my heart says Rose Namajunas my head says uh, Jessica Andrade and Rio um, that's not my official pick I want to hear what you have to say first but that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I, I had a real tough time with this one. I initially favored Andrade just because she's been kind of wrecking shop against some pretty high-level opponents, girls that are otherwise not getting dominated by any extent. Um, the way that she looked against Claudia Cadelia in a fight where I think Cadelia was a decent-sized favorite after her bout against Joanna Janjacek, um, a very competitive bout against Janjacek, and she just like took the will out of Cadelia. Uh, Tisha Torres, she was able to pick her up and slam her anytime she wanted to. And she was able to take all of Torres' shots and come back with much bigger bombs. Torres is little, very strong, but little. Yes. Yeah, so, you know what? They're similar size, man. They're, they're about the same height. That's oh, one of her. Right, right. Because Andrade, uh, yeah. It's 5'2, man. She's a tiny little lady, but she's a monstrous tiny lady. She is, as you said, strong as heck. The way that she gets her. Uh, takedowns are very kind of Cormier-like from that low center of gravity. She gets that uh, deep single 
that high cross single literally lifts her opponent off the floor and drops them onto their shoulder ahead, um, which she did to Karolina Kowalkowicz in her last bout where she just knocked her out. To be honest, I, I, I'm not necessarily a huge believer in Jessica Andrade's power until I saw that Kowalkowicz knockout because oh God, yeah. have we really seen Jessica like – you see, hurt a lot of girls. Like, not really. They look like they're hard shots. She lands them okay. Some of them don't land all that clean, and maybe that's why she doesn't get a whole lot of knockouts. But she does have a tremendous amount of, at least uh, from appearance, a tremendous amount of power that we saw come to fruition in her last bout. Yeah, she shook. She shook JJ. I mean, I think listen, like the you know how knockouts work. I mean, better better than I do. It. I could see from the way she hit Joanna Champion, she hits very hard. There are a lot of hard hitters. But if they're not, if you see it coming, you know, you're, or you're going to be able to roll with it better than, better than if you don't. I think she's got a lot of power, but that doesn't mean that she sets up her shots in sneaky ways. Right. Um, her punch know. placement isn't always ideal because she just kind of swings at the exact same distance. Yeah. She, muscles, she muscles her punches a bit, but it's, it's yeah. clear that she throws, with, she throws with, you know, she throws bombs. Yes. Uh, you would just think, given the kind of bombs she throws and how much she lands, you would think she's had a bunch of knockouts. But right. she hasn't. In fact, almost not like very, very few. Um, but again, in her last bout, it came to fruition, and maybe that'll give her the confidence she needs to to, to be finishing girls more often that way. I mean, she just walloped uh, uh, Carolina, who is a really technical, really solid, solid fighter. Who, granted, has been going through a bit of a tough time lately. Um, so yeah. So here's the way I look at the matchup. Rose will have the advantages in speed, in height and reach. Her game plan is going to be better with Trevor Whitman in her corner. Yeah. And her submission game is, I think, something that a lot of folks aren't really looking at and, and undervaluing in this matchup. I don't necessarily expect her to get a submission off her back, but I could see her scrambling to take uh, to take uh, Andrade's back, which Andrade's back has been taken before um, by, uh, I believe it was Raquel Pennington. Pennington yeah. now. Um, it's it, granted at 135, but it has happened before. So if Renata Yunus can take her back, I think she can submit her. Um, Yunus' submission game really is solid, really is pretty high level, and it has been for years. It's not something she's recently kind of honed in on, as is the case with uh, Rose's striking. Um, Jessica will have the advantages in brute strength, in, in power in her punches, um, in takedowns, in forward pressure, and she's going to have hometown advantage which i think can be a real factor here as well um by a super 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 close margin i'm giving the slightest of edges to andrage because i think she also has a bit of a style advantage um andrage seems to have a limitless gas tank and it's not unlike john lineker in that she just seemingly throws with full power every second of every fight yeah i felt like she got a little tired against joanna champion over five but but yeah. Mo, yeah, she doesn't. But she doesn't. She doesn't gas badly. No, no, she got tired. But you know what? Um, that's one of the rare few fights in which she got tired. But she kept pushing despite that, even though she was whiffing at air and she was getting her ass kicked. And she did get tired. She did get notably slow down. And quite frankly, the damage factor too. You want to with those fast counters. Um, and and you have to wonder: Can Rose replicate Joanna's game plan or? Is Rose the perfect antidote to Joanna Janjacek, who in turn can beat the rest of the division? I think that's part of what we're going to find out in this matchup. And yeah, I'm giving Andrade the very, very slightest of edges. Also because I think Rose gets more tired than Andrade does. 
Rose can get somewhat tired in a four or five round bout that she's winning against Joanna. She was she she allowed Joanna to start coming back into that bout in that third, fourth, fifth round territory. It, it wasn't early on. Early on, Rose clearly had I thought the advantage in those first couple of rounds. But as time wore on, Joanna's conditioning proved to be strong enough to 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 keep going at the same pace. Whereas Rose couldn't quite. She needed to take a round or two off. Where I think she came back and, and took that fifth round as well, if, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I just trust in Andrade's cardio a little bit more, especially in Brazil. I was watching uh, that UFC reality series embedded uh, leading up to every pay-per-view that they have. Um, and Rose was still at home as of this past weekend. And she's traveling thousands of miles and probably a full day of travel to, to, to finally get to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, is that enough time to adjust? I'm not so sure. On top of every other variable, on top of the fact that I can see the Brazilian, the judges in Brazil giving a little bit more leeway to Andrade, I'm picking Andrade here, but I can see Rose looking slick on those counters early and doing enough damage to tire Andrade like she tired uh, against uh, Janjacek. But I do think that Andrade is learning as she goes on in these fights that she can keep going and she can keep swinging full power and not have to worry about it because even though she's going to get somewhat tired, her opponent is going to get more tired because they're taking damage. So, yeah, I'm giving Andrade a bit of an edge here. Um, but I, I see windows for Rose to take the bout. Okay. So we pretty much – then uh, we have the same pick on this one. But I'm going to – although I'm going to have a, a side pick where I – my hope is, and I could see Rose catching a triangle. Uh, but I think, yeah. yeah she yeah, has a triangle before. But that was several years ago, Andrade. I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Andrade uh, also. Same page. Uh, a great main event, though, Nick. Like, like no complaints oh, yeah. about that aspect. Of such a good main event here. Um, we've got a, a co-main event that's maybe not quite up to the same level. In fact, if you ask me, the co-main event should be uh, the third bout down the list, which we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, about. definitely. But we've got Jaron Cannonier taking on Anderson Silva in the co-main event at 185. Cannonier having just walked away uh, with a knockout over Dave Branch, and he looked ferocious in that bout. And Anderson Silva coming back and having a, a fairly competitive, uh, somewhat back-and-forth bout with interim ch- with now interim champion Israel Adesanya. Um, what are your thoughts about the style matchup, Nick? I think if Cannonier wants to win a is going to win this fight it's going to be a lay and pray decision you think so uh, maybe or maybe with some you know maybe with some grounded pound i think if he messes with silva on the feet he's going to get slept yeah i don't know about getting slept just because it's tough to see where silva's power is but i am there with you as far as just the fact that even though cannoneer hits so much harder than several of silva's last few opponents um I don't. I don't know that he has the technical ability to really hustle him. I just don't. Uh, yeah, I think. I think that I don't know. I just. I have a feeling that this is going to be the one where uh, where Anderson um, turns back the clock. I know that sounds ridiculous. I just haven't been. Uh, I haven't been that impressed with uh, with Cannoneer's striking. Um, he's really strong, obviously, and he got you know he got he got uh, touched up by John by Jan Blankovic. He got TKO'd by Dominic Reyes. Um, 
I just think, uh, you know, there he did go through the the phase where he he, um, you know, a couple of years ago he he cut down to to light uh, first to light heavyweight, uh, and then That's the middleweight, and he looks good. He is he is strong and athletic. I just I think if he try I think if he tries to strike with Anderson Silva, that um, that he's gonna that he's gonna get caught. Yeah. That's my uh, feeling. So I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do. I, I just, um, you know, how high level of a, of a wrestler, you know, is he? Is he, is he someone who's gonna be able to take him down, at, take Anderson Silva down at will? No, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that you think that that's his path to victory. Um, he's not much of a. Uh, I mean, he's been out wrestled in a couple of bouts, and that's kind of what accounted for his losses. So. I wouldn't necessarily trust in him to get consistent takedowns on Anderson Silva, who actually has good takedown defense. But I guess there's a chance that Silva may not expect takedowns, so maybe maybe it's worth a try. Um, I just feel like Anderson Silva's defended successfully defended takedowns against better wrestlers. Yeah, Jared I think I think I think, I think Anderson Silva's going to win this fight. Yeah, I, I expect Anderson's going to be able to counter Jared's aggression, and I think Jared's path to victory is that right hand. If he can land it clean early on, he can get a knockout. He's, he's got that kind of power. And particularly at 185, it seems like it's just all muscle fiber on him. Like you, you see no body fat. His actual uh, picture on, on uh, his topology, top, excuse me, topology page, um, you can tell he's a heavyweight. He looks soft as heck. He looks like a completely different man from the one that dispatched the Dave Branch in under two full rounds. Um, yeah, I think his path to victory is going to be with a big right hand, and I don't think Silva's going to make it easy on him. I do think it's a possibility. I actually think this is probably a 60-40 fight in Silva's favor. Yeah, but, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, he, he should be able to um, slip and counter for the most part. Um, Israel Adesanya landed a bunch of shots on Silva, but Israel Adesanya doesn't have the kind of power that Cannoneer has. Um, he does, however, have much higher level of technique than Cannoneer. The thing that really kind of holds me up is before the Dave Branch fight at 205, Cannoneer fought Dominic Reyes and then Jan Blakowicz right before that. He lost to Jan Blakowicz largely standing, largely because Blakowicz out-jabbed him. It was very basic fundamental. It's one that Blakowicz is really good at, but if that was enough to uh, flummox and to frustrate uh, Jared Cannoneer, I'd imagine that a taller Silva with longer reach than Blackwicks should be able to should be able to get some things done, um, even at 44 years old. Cannoneer is not exactly a young man at 35, so yeah, I, I favor Silva to be able to counter him and probably win a decision. I don't know about finishing Cannoneer; he's not exactly a, a guy known for getting slept. Although Dominic Reyes did did sleep him. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm there with you on Silva, but you know what? I I kind of hope that Cannoneer is a bomb prospect at 185 and and I kind of hope that he just out techniques Silva and then we can look forward to another challenger at 185 like I, I have no problem with allowing the newer class of guys come oh, up, and come yeah. up and- I agree with this I just I don't know I, I have a feeling he's gonna run into something like Forrest Griffin did all that year all those years ago I just think I just think Silva could still is is still quick and can still throw yeah, yeah, he he can. Again, I think I think he should be able to he should be able to avoid most of the big shots and counter well. He should be able to keep him at the end of his long strikes. Um, so yeah, we're we're on the same page with the first two bouts here. Both of us uh, giving the Brazilians the edge. Next up, we've got Jose Aldo 
going up against Alexander Volkanovsky. Aldo, who's having a bit of a resurgence in his career, uh, after having lost twice in a row to Max Holloway, he knocked out Jeremy Stevens and knocked out Renato Marcano um, within two rounds in both cases. Very impressive. I mean, it seems like Jose Aldo, when he doesn't have to, when he knows that he's not fighting five rounds, is a very different fighter. It's like that young version of Jose back from the WC day, WEC days. We've got Alexander Volkanovsky, who's 19-1. and The 19-1 and is capped off with his last uh, TKO victory over Chad Mendez, a decision win over Darren Elkins, in which he, I believe, out-wrestled him before that. Jeremy Kennedy being a prospect that he beat before that. This guy's legit. Oh, yeah. No question is, is he legit enough to topple the former king? He got clipped quite a few times by Mendes. Um, he did. And then it seemed that Chad got a little bit tired, ate a bunch, ate a bunch of shots, and, and Volkanovski uh, sort of outwilled him. Um, he's, a good, he's a good wrestler, the question, right? I mean, the question is, like it's, there aren't a lot of men who have uh, who have successfully put Aldo on his on his back. Frankie Edgar is a terrific wrestler and very quick with great entries, and in across ten rounds, you know how many times did he take Aldo down? Two, three, maybe. If even, uh, I'm not sure that he. I think in the late rounds of both of those fights, he he got a takedown or two. Okay, but not certainly not many. And then, you know, he after he he gassed out. Uh, after Aldo guessed out, he spent a, a good deal of two rounds on his back against, um, uh, yes, Mark Hominick. Thank you. And, and uh, otherwise, he's a he's a tough dude to take down. He still um, he keeps great distance. He's got great footwork. He hits hard and he strikes fast. I my my gut is that, um, and it's not like you know Volkanovski is the kind of output um striker like max holloway is um where he's going to be able to pick you know pick aldo apart and then the shots are going to add up and add up and add up by the by the third round um so i i think this is aldo i think this is aldo's fight to lose um and i i see him you know i see him winning a decision 30 27 or or winning a decision 30 27 or, or 29 28 um, just based on doing more damage and, uh, and, and landing more, landing more shots over the, over the course of three rounds. Yeah, I definitely think there's a big difference between a post steroid suspension, Chad Mendez and a Jose Aldo, who's looking about as good as ever. And Volkanovsky was able to walk away with a win, um, after a somewhat competitive bout, and, and granted, it, you know, maybe that was part of the game plan, right? Uh, there's no way that you're going to dominate uh, Chad Money Mendez in that first round. So you kind of make him expend a lot of energy. You make him get tired, and then you outwill him. And Chad Mendez will give in when it's time, and that's exactly what he did in his bout uh, in the second round against Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky it looked just like the McGregor fight. Very much so, exactly. He went down of his own volition. Because he wanted that fight to be stopped, it was uh, to me. It was uh, he may as well have just come down to his knees and tapped out. Um, and yeah, I, I just think there's a big difference between that this version of Jose Aldo and the version of Chad Mendez that we saw against Volkanovski. I I definitely think Jose is going to be able to slip a lot of Volkanovski's jabs and counter. That's his specialty. That's what he's excellent at. 
His footwork is his footwork is really solid, and he shouldn't allow for, uh, himself to get stuck up against that cage, taking shots from Volkanovski. And when Jose Aldo will get tired, if Volkanovski can make it to that third round, and I think he should, I think he's very much legit. Volkanovski might be able to take over at that point and, and do some damage, but I think it'll probably be too little, too late. I think Aldo will have scored enough points in those first couple of rounds, possibly even gotten a knockdown. Um, we have to also keep in mind that this is uh, Jose Aldo's hometown. He's probably going to drive to that arena from home, whereas Alexander Volkanovsky is coming in from Australia. Now, I haven't done the math on that flight, but I'd imagine it's not quite as short as taking a short drive to the arena. Um, I think that's going to be that. That's likely going to be a factor here as well. I'm also picking Jose Aldo. Um, I will say, though, best case scenario here, it is a super competitive fight that could have gone either way. And Volkanovski walks away with a win. And then maybe we can line up Volkanovski versus Max Holloway for the featherweight title because Jose Aldo going for it a third time, I don't think is the best case scenario. Yeah, I agree. Um, wow, we're all we're all matched up so far. Um, which is which is surprising. These are legit these are legitimately fights that a lot of experts could pick either way on. Um, so the only, one, the only underdog we're, I mean, we're, uh, Silva is the, is, a, is a slight underdog against, uh, Cannoneer, but, um, Aldo is, is favored and, uh, Andrade is favored. Um, uh, I was actually favored a little more than I would have thought. Good for him. Um, so uh, next up we've got Tiago Alves, another Brazilian versus Laureano Staropoli. Staropoli, I believe is from Peru. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty aggressive striker who uh, made his was fortunate enough to make his UFC debut against you know pretty mediocre Hector Aldana, uh, a much smaller man, and he was able to walk away with the decision there. He's coming up against uh, a more experienced, uh, a higher level opponent in Thiago Alves, who is inarguably past his prime, and probably not on, not on the same supplement program he was in his prime. So. Yeah, uh, Tiago Alves coming off, by the way, uh, a very close decision victory over Max Griffin that I think a lot of folks thought should have gone the other way. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the matchup, Nick? Uh, I think that Tiago Alves in in Brazil uh, against a guy with considerably um, considerably less experience hasn't you know fought much on this on this big stage i don't i think we're going to see another uh alva's uh, decision possibly uh possibly undeserved yeah see that's what troubles me um i think that style matchup wise unless alves goes for takedowns i think that's an area where he can exploit uh staropoli Standing up, standing wise, I think Staropoli's got a good size advantage. He's six feet tall. So Tiago's, I think he's five eight. Um, he's got a seventy one point five inch reach, and Tiago doesn't exactly have the longest arms in the division. He's coming in at uh, seventy inches. It's actually not bad. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a, a size difference here. Also, Staropoli's a young guy. He's got a lot of gas, and he's going to throw a lot of offense, and it's mostly going to be with power. Um, I actually kind of – he's a fun guy to watch fight. But that what really concerns me is that even if Laureano does look good and, and he does score a bunch throughout those three rounds, if Thiago looks competitive, I wouldn't be surprised if the decision goes with him. And so for that reason, you know, very much like you alluded to the potential for a hometown decision, I'm, I'm 
I'm going with Alves, but this is one that I may change my mind on as I see some of the face-offs and see both guys in the weigh-ins and stuff. Uh, yeah, we might have. I feel, I feel exactly the same way. We're all matched up on this one. This is very funny. Um, Francisco Trinaldo versus Diego Ferreira. Yeah, this is a. What was what was uh, Diego uh, Ferreira's last uh, last fight? Uh, he fought uh, in, a, in a really impressive performance against Rustam Kabilov, who presumably had the takedown advantage. And, yeah, and that was a great fight. It really was. He looked really good. And before that, he fought. He beat Kyle Nelson in his UFC debut. And Nelson, you know, since I mean, we, we've seen shown, seen that he's a solid, solid fighter. Um, and he did beat Nelson after actually not looking so great early on. If I remember correctly, Nelson was able to get takedowns. Oh no, Nelson was able to land some big shots on him early. And if I'm not mistaken, he was able to get takedowns. But Nelson did take the fight on a week notice. So uh, sooner or later, Ferrer was going to take over, and he did. Well, he, also, he also beat GSP's training partner, um, the TriStar fighter Olivier Aubin Marseille. Yeah, but at this point, I mean. You know, Obin's not exactly looking spectacular lately. I know he's uh, best way to say it is that he is four and three in his last seven bouts. Like he he hasn't looked good against decent competition, and even the couple of decisions that he won were split decisions. Uh, the couple of finishes he has are against like you know pretty finishable guys. I think he was a little bit overrated. Now that I look at his record, if I'm going to be honest with you, but still, uh, when he fought uh, when he fought uh, Ferreira, he'd only had one loss. So that's a good point. He was he was still. You know, he still looked really good as a prospect at the time. Ferreira looks—he looked so friggin' good last time. I think he's going to be quicker. Trinaldo is forty now. I think. Uh, I think that this is. I think Diego Ferreira continues the momentum. I think yeah, he. I, mean, I think he wins. I think he wins this fight against Trinaldo. I'm giving the younger guy the edge too. Although for Trinaldo, this is another like very close trip. Um, he lives in Brazil, whereas Diego Ferreira lives and trains in Texas. But yeah, I, I, I like Diego. I, I actually like him, period. I was disappointed when he went through a bit of a rough patch where he lost two bouts a couple of years ago to Dustin Poirier and Benil Daryush, uh, two other guys that I like, as a matter yeah, of fact. But shame there. And that was, I mean, that was five, you know, almost five years ago. Oh, you're right. That was in 2014 and 2015. Um, that's actually very interesting. You're right. It has been a long time. Um, yeah, I, I give him the edge. I, I actually think that uh, I like Francisco Trinaldo a lot. He's an overachiever, and he's beaten a bunch of guys that you would think a 40-year-old shouldn't really have much of a shot against. Paul yeah. Felder, Medeiros, Ross Pearson, Chad Laprie, Norman Park. These were like – most of these guys were prospects at the time or very experienced veterans. Um, Jim Miller, he's beaten Evan Dunham in his last bout. I mean, he's looking really good. He's, only oh, yeah, he's, he's really good. He's the – in a lot of ways, he's he's the quintessential Brazilian fighter. Well, I, I think he's yeah he, he's got excellent jiu-jitsu, super sloppy on the feet, but very power like very hard hitting. Yeah, it's probably a good point. Not great wrestling, but but made, can't take yeah. on, on the right guy. Tough yeah. for days. I mean, he's just like made out of stone. He re- he really is. He's he's like Yoel Romero in that at forty years old, he looks more chiseled than most of his twenty-five year old opponents. Um, I, I, you know what, the more I look at it, I mean, Trinaldo doesn't really lose a whole lot of fights. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping with Ferreira, but I, like, I think this is a pick. I think Trinaldo absolutely has a shot. I think oh, yeah. that, uh, Fer- Ferreira can get tagged. His chin isn't exactly awesome. And Trinaldo has the power to hurt him. I think Trinaldo also, 
might have the ability to get a takedown here and there, but I still like the younger man. I, I, I like him for his age. I like him for the fact that he's, he looks like he's literally entering his prime and he's looking better than ever coming off of the biggest one of his career. Um, I, I, for her as a guy that I kind of spotted a long time ago as a prospect, I'm going to stick with him on this one, but I like Ronaldo a lot and wouldn't be spotted. Yeah, this all one the same picks on the main card. <laughs> oh, it's early still. I, I think we'll have some, um, some descent later on in the card. Uh, Antonio Noguera versus Ryan Spann. This is Little Nog versus uh, another kind of young prospect with some holes. Um, you know, they're giving him uh, an opportunity to either to either uh, get a huge knockout win with the help of the crowd again, or to you know get ho hummed uh, into a loss. I it's it's tough because Noguera that crowd really can make a difference because that crowd will be absolutely in his corner. And you go to Brazil, and you're about to fight in Oguera, and you try to go out and eat somewhere, Nick. You're going to you're going to not feel very well after your meal. Like people are going to target you and try to make life miserable for you and try to make it very difficult for you to perform. But Ryan Span is dangerous early. Oguera's chin is basically non-existent. Right. Um, I'm 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 going to give Span uh, the the. I'm, I'm going to favor him here, but Noguera, man, he can always land that left hand. And Span has been knocked out before, so I mean, knocked out Sam Alvey a year ago, less than a year ago. Yeah, but Sam Alvey is I know. But but yeah, I mean, if you look at Noguera's losses, there to Ryan Bader, Shogun Hua back in 2015, Anthony Johnson, um, he doesn't suck. He really doesn't. Rashad Evans, Tito Ortiz, Pat Cummins, and Sam Alvey. Uh, or who his wins have been over. As a matter of fact, now that you think about it, he hasn't exactly been fighting a whole lot of strikers that he's beaten lately. So maybe that's another point in Span's favor. Um, but I, I don't know about Span's takedown defense. I could see that being another way for Noguera to maybe win a round, but I just think Span needs to land a big shot to get a win here. Yeah, I mean, Nog fights uh, so seldom that it's it's hard. It's a hard one to pick, but I also feel like they made this fight in Brazil. They know something. I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think Nog uh, figures out a way to get it done. Great. We've got our first point of descent. Uh, this is actually one that I was going to say I might change my pick later, but I'm not going to now that we've got now that we've got some descent. Um, although I, st- I still reserve the right to, to, to pick Staropoli. I'd like to watch a little bit more footage before, uh, before muscling down on that one. Um, Tiago Moises versus Kurt Holoba. This is a tough one for me because I like Kurt Holoba, and I think he looks really good in most of his first rounds. But after that, it just like seems to go downhill. I think there's some kind of a mental thing with him where, where he, he, he can't keep pressing and not make a big mistake that allows his opponent to come in and get a victory. I mean, for a guy as, as skilled as he is, he's got a really rough go in the UFC. I think he's something like 0-3 or 0-4 in the UFC. Um, yeah, 0-3 in the UFC. So uh, I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to pick Hullaba here because I think that Moises, even though he looks like a well-rounded good fighter, he's a Brazilian in Brazil, and he trains with the American top team, um, I feel like he doesn't take pressure well, and Kurt should. I mean, that's all he can do is really just pressure forward with offense, with big offense. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna edge Kurt here, but I would not at all be surprised if Moises walks away with a, with a decision here. 
Yeah, or hopefully get finished. Kurt can get finished in the second or third round too. Yeah. I mean, technically, he had he did have that no contest where he where he knocked out uh, Matt Bissett. Uh, yeah, I think that was a Dana White's contender series bout. Like, technically, it wasn't quite the UFC with the big crowd and all of that. Right. Good but point. It's a, I wonder if that that's what makes a difference for him. But he did beat up Bissett pretty bad. Um, very very tough one for me to call. I'm I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Holva as well. So the guy is the guy who's zero three with his back up against the wall. I feel like he's is as talented as he is. I think he's gonna find a way. Yeah, and and Moises actually made his UFC debut in his last bout against Benil Daryush and got basically just taken down several times for for a for a kind of grinding decision. Um, you know, a tough first matchup for him, and and I think he's getting a chance here to. To make up for that again, I, I see him as a as a as somebody who has some prospect potential. I just feel like Kurt's pressure uh, is going to make him. He just he doesn't seem to respond well to pressure, um, and maybe Kurt will only pressure for that first round, and then Tiago will take over after that. But I but I do favor Kurt ever so slightly at this moment. But I'm talking myself to a Moises win as we speak. Um, Irina Aldana versus Bet Kohea. Uh, an interesting matchup between somebody that looked like a prospect in Aldana before she entered the UFC. She had some success in Invicta and some exciting bouts out there. And then she came into the UFC and uh, took two losses against, you know, not exactly the best of the best in Leslie Smith and Caitlin Chukagan, but kind of crafty, experienced fighters. Um, and then she picked up wins over Tatia, uh, Talita Bernard- Bernardo and Lucy Pudilova. Uh, split decision over Pudilova. I, I don't remember the details in that bout. I wonder if she really deserved it. Um, I'm giving her an edge here because I really don't like Betch Kohei. I think she's... Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> I, I, I just I don't like her fighting style. I don't like her skill. I don't see why she has any confidence whatsoever. Um, she talks all this crap, but then just like really sucks. Um, I think she's just like unlikable in her, the way she carries herself. I don't know what it is. No, I, I agree. Ever going, you know... Going back to before the uh, the Rousey fight. Yes, yes, um, yeah. She, I mean, she convinced she convinced everyone Ronda Rousey was a, was an amazing striker. She, re- oh, you're so right. She was largely responsible for that. You're right. And all that Ronda did was just like wallop three giant sloppy right hands at her and and got her as soon as she really tried. Yeah, good times back when Ronda was uh, pound for pound, possibly number one in the world at everything. Um, very different world, man. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you are you uh, do you have oh, all the who would well? ever pick Beth Kahe? I can't stand her. Oh, same here, man. Yeah, all done. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the most depressing fight of the evening. Yes, sir. Clay Guida versus BJ Penn. We've got a couple of longtime veterans here. Their losses rack up in the teens, Nick. And you know what? Probably they have uh, double digit losses in the UFC alone. Each of these guys. Um, BJ Penn looking particularly shopworn. He has looked so bad over the last several years. His last win, Nick, believe it or not, was back in 2010 against Matt Hughes. And and his his two fight two fights before that were losses. So like again, he's one in yeah, something like one in eight in his last nine bouts. Um, not looking so great great and yeah, I, I favor Clay Guida, who's kind of uh, catching a little bit of a second wind in his career. Wow, the second GSP fight was so it was a little over ten years ago. Wow, that's insane. Since that, since that fight, he's three, nine, and one. 
Yeah, that, that is BJ Penn, who used to be considered number one pound for pound. Also, there's allegations about sexual assault and allegations yeah, about pain. Um, it sounds like he's not in a good place on top of the fact that he's way past his prime. Um, but again, if he's going to fight anybody, I'm glad it's a guy like Clay Guida, who isn't a huge knockout threat and, and isn't a huge threat to badly injure BJ Penn. But Clay Guida does have a shot at a knockout here. He's been hitting some guys hard. Clay Guida broke uh, Rafael Dos Anjos' jaw, so it's not, you know, he's, yeah. not, he's not a cuddle bear. Yeah, that, that was Rafael Dos Anjos before he was Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah. And, and it was Clay Guida and kind of, his, you know, at a pretty good point in his career. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's a physical guy. I think he I, – I, I mean, Clay Guida will pressure. Here's the thing, though. BJ Penn, if he is – if he's a quarter of the fighter he was, and he's probably not. But if he is, he can win this fight. It is possible. I just – I've given up believing that he's even got that much left. Yes. Ten years ago, can you imagine the odds in this bout? I know they would literally be flipped, Nick. Right now, BJ Penn is a plus five twenty five underdog, and Clay Guida is a minus seven fifty favorite. They would literally be the opposite way ten years ago. That's how crazy the trajectory of these two men's careers have taken them. Um, and yeah, here we are picking Clay Guida over BJ Penn. And Guida never, yeah, Guida never got his title shot. He got to a couple. Of, uh, Eliminator bouts, and uh, he was a tough dude. And he had a little, he had a little resurgence there before he ran into Mendes. Um, yeah, he did. And and to be honest with you, lately he's, uh, I mean, he's two and one in his last three bouts, and you can't really blame him for losing to Brian Ortega. He was beating Brian Ortega handily. He was, um, but but again, you can't blame him for losing to a guy that's ranked as highly as Brian Ortega ended up being ranked, and. And you can't blame him for losing to Charles Oliveira, who's at the best point in his career right now as well. He looked good against Joe Lozon in a first-round knockout, which is unheard of for Guida. And he beat up Eric Koch, if I remember correctly, back in 2017. So, again, he's got something left in that gas tank. Yeah. He, he will beat a guy that's not at a very high level, that's not super dynamic, that can't catch him early and quick. I thought he was on a run before Mendez, but he had beat uh, Hatsuhiki by decision. And had a weird decision loss to Gray Maynard and a loss to Ben Henderson. Um, that was a title eliminator. And I think yeah, I might have... Middle of a rough patch for Clay. That was a long time ago. But he had, he did have that run where he beat Shannon Gugarty, Rafael Lasagnos, Gomi, um, and then Pettis. And then he got... And that got him up to the eliminator in 2011 when he lost to Ben uh, Henderson. And then Henderson went on to get gifted two decisions against Edgar. That's right. Oh, man. How, how the lightweight division has, I mean, imagine just like one or two decisions the other direction. And we're talking about very different careers for multiple people. Imagine, um, I know this is a bit of a tangent. And I don't want to spend much time here. But imagine if Alexander Gustafson got that split decision over John Jones. We're talking about very different careers for both of these guys since that point. It's insane how that kind of thing can make so much of a difference. And it seemingly was kind of like the beginning of BJ Penn's downfall. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Clay Guida's a rough patch. Um, so we we both have Clay here, Nick. Oh yeah. No, no. Do you give much of a chance to BJ here? No. No. Yeah. Uh, Priscilla Cachuera versus Luana Carolina. That is, it's mostly because BJ seems really weak. Like if Clay Guida puts him on his back, the old like monkey jujitsu BJ Penn 
you know, you'd think he, he could grab something, but he just looks so he looks flat and listless. Yeah. And he doesn't look he just doesn't look like he's anywhere near as strong as any of the guys that he's been facing. So that's and Clay Guida's looked very strong in his his uh his you know fights yeah. that he's lost. Um I agree. So that's that's kind of what it comes down to. Um let's quickly go through the the rest of the uh the undercard. Uh I've got Carolina over Cachoeira Cachoeira. Uh, yeah, I've got Carolina over Cachoeira because of her height and Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alves is on the card. Yeah, Worley Alves, who... Right, this is actually a decent bout. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, nice. it's not good to see... Uh, I feel like we haven't seen Worley Alves in a while. Yeah, it has been a little bit of time. I think he got knocked out by James Krause in his last bout after uh, having a couple of decent wins against Sultan Aliyev and Salim uh, Tauri. Um, yeah, he, he seems to be a guy that like he's he's obviously a young prospect, but man, does he get tired because he just throws everything into every shot? And it seems like if you're a good, a solid fighter, that second or third round, if you if you could put some early pressure on him, he will cave sooner or later. James Krause is not uh, half the physical man that Worley Alves is. He doesn't have half the athleticism, but he knew to put serious pressure on him early, and he was able to knock him out by that second round. Which again, James Krause is not known for getting knockouts. So, Worley Alves is a little, bit, a little bit of a disappointment as far as prospects go. Well, he's so got he's, it. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, let, who three and a half years ago choked out Colby Covington. That's right. I mean, he's he's got a win over over the former interim champ, the number one contender for the title now. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you look, if you really look at his at his career, his losses to Brian Barberena, it doesn't look awesome, but it's somewhat understandable. Kumar Usman is totally understandable. Um, but yeah, James Cross is kind of on that Barbarina level. Like, if you can't beat a guy like that, you're probably not going to be champion anytime soon. And yeah, I guess the question is, how much does Sergio Morais have left um, at 36 years old? Uh, he's got a little bit of height on on uh, on uh, Worley Alves. Will he be able to finish him? I think the question is really all in whether or not he pressures Alves. And this is a really tough one to pick for me too. Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll give it to Alves because I'm not sure that Sergio will pressure him, but if he will, Sergio will win this fight. That's all he really has to do because I think he's durable enough to take some of Alves's early offense. And I think he should be free enough with his kicks uh, to, to, to keep Alves at enough of a distance early and not worry about a takedown because they both have solid jujitsu. Um, I just don't know that he'll pressure. And so I'm edging Alves, but I could absolutely see Marais taking it. Yeah. I'll pick my, this also pick my second Alves on the card. That's right. There's the, the, there's two of these guys in this one. Um, Honey Barcelos versus Carlos Hochin Carreros. Um, this one is, I think the biggest. That's ridiculous. Why is that so crazy? With the odds themselves, you mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually think it started off quite a bit closer. And it seems like it, it, it seems like it's uh, it, like people plop some serious money on Barcelos, who is, to be fair, a very legitimate prospect. He's got win, a win over Kurt Holaba, who's, who's pretty but, solid. Yeah. He's got a win over Bobby uh, Sorry? He has a win over Bobby Moffat. That's right. Yeah, he's... He's got uh, uh, that he, ridiculous fight with Bryce Mitchell. 
That's right. And and Bryce Mitchell is looking like a pretty good prospect now. Um, Barceros is looking, you know, he, he's looking in many ways like he's a blue chip prospect. And I think that's what it is. His opponent, if you watch some tape on him, he doesn't look awesome. Um, he's got a pretty good record, but, you know, technique-wise, you're not exactly blown away. And his level of competition has been great. Um, he's got a draw against the only kind of solid uh, like solid record fighter that he fought in the last year or so. It's a regional dude. Yeah, it was a regional bout. And otherwise, he's got wins over a guy that's 10 and 8 and 4 and 7 in his last two bouts. I mean, you know, we're talking about very different leagues here with Rahani uh, Barcelos, who might actually be like a future top five, top top three or four uh, prospect. He's got that kind of potential, even though I know Bantamweight is pretty stacked. So, yeah, I, I think there's good reason that he's the big favorite that he is. But, man, at those odds, um, I would absolutely, as long as I have other bets uh, on this event, I would absolutely put some money on Carlos. Um, at those odds, all he has to do is just land one big shot against you know another human being, and 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 he he could win this bout. These odds are ridiculous. Um, the next fight, the next bout's got a. It's there was a recent uh, card change in it. Yeah, Talina Bernardo was supposed to fight. Let me check here. She was supposed to now. She's, now she's going to fight Vivian Araujo. Right, uh, on something like a week or two notice. Um, yeah, T- Talita is another kind of favorite on this card, and I think for good reason, given the disparity in skill here. Um, uh, even though they have pretty similar number of fights, I'm giving the edge to Talina Bernardo, who, after having a bit of a rough start in the UFC, picked up her first win over Sarah Morass in her last bout. Yep, same same pick. So what are our, what are our differences here? I think, is there a chance we've only got one disagreement on this card it doesn't come down to spawn nagara that is pretty crazy um i'm probably gonna end up making another i'm probably gonna i'm gonna look at moises much more seriously versus kurt hollabaugh because i don't know about kurt hollabaugh after that first round i don't know if i can trust him to have any gas left to do anything to tiago who will land a lot of body kicks um so i could see uh, i could see i could see myself changing my pick on that one but yeah that's that's a weird Bound for everything to 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 lay on. Yeah, I don't I don't feel good about that. <laughs> me neither, honestly. Um, it's literally a crapshoot. It's a goddamn coin toss, if you ask me. Oh, we'll see. Oh um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna t- I'll take a closer look at this card also. But I didn't expect us to come up all all the same on the. Uh, I really thought we were gonna disagree on hard. on this one, and uh, and and I had I had a few bouts here that I struggled with back and forth. I'm still kind of struggling with Rose versus Jessica. Um, yeah. I am, I am too. Another factor that we didn't really discuss in that one is that Jessica kind of has a sh- shitty fight camp, and Rose trains under a really, really good uh, under a really good coach in Trevor Whitman. And I think game plan wise, if anybody can put a good one together for Rose, it would be Trevor. So yeah, there, there's again, there's points going both ways, but I think it was Brazil that ended up being one of my final uh, kind of straws on the camel's back that that broke it for Jessica. And also the fact that Jessica seems to keep fighting throughout every round, throughout every moment, whereas Rose can take a round or two off or get tired as the bout goes on. She's not quite as quick in the fourth as she is in the first. That and, like, you know, on when she was talking about her fight with, Sir, with uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sir you, you, uh, Sajara Eubanks, Roxanne Mataferi said that, you know, she made no mistake. She did everything right. She just could not win the fight. 
because of the strength advantage that Eubanks had. Oh, yeah, but th- there was also a big athletic disparity there. I mean, Eubanks is extremely strong, extremely athletic, hits extremely hard, and, and she's fairly fast. She's got every facet of that athleticism ring, uh, whereas Rose has a couple of facets, and, and Andrade has a couple of facets, but Rose is going to be quite a bit quicker and quite a bit more technical, whereas Andrade is going to be significantly stronger. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a similar matchup in that you way. You think Rose is faster than Andrade? Yeah, I think Andrade is on the slow side. I think Andrade, um, like the way that she kind of wings forward, I also think Rose can cut angles if Trevor Whitman, who I'm, I'm sure he has worked with her footwork to get her to pivot, kind of like Jose Aldo did against Frankie Edgar. That would be the way to go against a fighter that's going to be kind of lunging at you the way, to, the way that Andrade does. That's kind of what Joanna Janjacek did to beat uh, Jessica Andrade, a more primitive version of Andrade, I would say, from a few years back. But uh, got, Rose could be better at that now too. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at a couple of my picks, and we might we might have we can talk before Saturday and see if we've got some uh, yes, we sir. Got some flips some flipping around to do. Uh, do you have any bets for this one, Nick? I feel like there's less opportunity on this event. No, I don't. Uh, this wasn't one where I got I got particularly excited to um, to bet on anything. I guess if I, I mean he's a he's a favorite, but I would probably. Um, you know, if I was going to do, because, uh, you know, I like to parlay, I would probably parlay Diego Fajaya and Anderson Silva. Not a bad parlay, actually. That's not a bad parlay. Um, and Silva, I'm going to write that down so we have it on record. Um, and uh, can you give me the odds on that, Nick? And I'll give you what the... I, I'll give you from five, from five dimes. It's... Uh, 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 Fahey is at minus one sixty five. One sixty minus one sixty five, and Silva yeah. is is at a uh, plus one ten. He's, he's plus one twenty on other sites, but five dimes has him at plus one ten. Nick, I think that parlay might actually work out for you. That, that like that has higher odds, I think, than than some of the parlays in the last couple of events because you're only putting two bouts into it, and there are two bouts in which you, you know, in which they're I'd say they're 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 picks for good reason. I think this is the parlay that might just work out for you. In fact, if you don't mind, I'll even add that that to my parlay because I think that's a darn good idea. Uh, you get plus 237 odds, Nick. So if you bet, let's say, $50, you can end up winning uh, something like 117 118 bucks, and that's in profit. So yeah, pretty, that's a good deal there. Um, that, that's a really sweet parlay. I like the idea. Do you have anything else, any other bets you might want to make for this one? Um, no. How about you? Um, yeah, I have a couple right now, but I do want to mention quickly from last week. I recommended Chase On by TKO uh, at plus 135, and that bet worked out for me. That worked out for me really well because I invested into that one a little bit. Um, Iaquinta, I recommended to bet him straight, and that one did not work out because Cerrone was able to do his thing. Um, and so and so that bet was a loss for me. Burgos came through at minus 152 over, uh, over Cup Swanson. And that, that bet worked out for me as well. Katona, who I didn't think would win, but I thought was a good deal at plus 165. Um, that bet did not work out for me, but that's not one that I invested a whole lot into. Um, and then I bet Bular at plus 115, which worked out for me as well. So overall, it was, a, it was two events in a row now that I have on record where they were winning events. And, uh, and we're going to try and keep building on this, Nick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if yeah, I can get three events. I might lay that parlay down for real. What I recommend as far as betting on this event, besides 
your really really good idea of uh, putting Ferreira and Silva together, um, especially at plus plus two thirty seven odds. I think that's a great bet. Um, I also recommend Anderson Silva straight at plus one ten. And to be honest with you, maybe parlaying him with Ferreira is the way to go. Maybe I would eliminate that straight bet and just leave Ferreira in there. Um, we've also got a Ryan Span, which I recommend a straight bet on. That's one that is a close on, bout on paper. And I can certainly see ways for Noguera to win, especially by knockout in, in I think, his hometown. But I like Ryan Span's power and the fact that Noguera's chin sucks. So I think he's worth a straight bet at minus 135. I've also got a parlay uh, of uh, Aldana and, Bernard, and Ber- Bernardo. Aldana is minus 350. She's a big favorite. And Bernardo is minus 525. If you put those together, you get, if you bet $100, you would win 53 in profit. Now, given how big of favorites there are, I don't think that's the worst deal. Um, the, the other, the other uh, parlay that I recommend, on top of the one that you and I discussed uh, with Ferrer and Silva, is uh, Barcelos and Ryan Spann. Now, maybe I'm putting a little bit too much in span between these two bets, and 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 I probably am. But what I'd say is bet bet uh, Barcelos with, for you listeners out there, with your favorite other uh, kind of uh, closer bout pick. So if you think it's Silva, if you think it's uh, if if you think it's Rose in the main event, I would I would pair Barcelos with that person. Um, in this case, in this case, span and Barcelos, and I'm not sure that I'm going to place this bet in particular, but for this parlay. The numbers would add up to uh, uh, you. You basically get ninety dollar, uh, ninety cents on the dollar. So if you bet a hundred dollars, you'd make a profit of ninety bucks. And I think, given how strong of a favorite Barcelos is and how tender Nogueras chin may be, um, Span might be worth it. But again, I'm second thinking Span in that one. I might play somebody else into that parlay with Barcelos. Um, so yeah, uh, a pretty damn solid event coming up this weekend. But. More importantly, Nick, there's also a Bellator, maybe not more importantly, but there's also a Bellator with some solid fights on the card, which which is rather surprising. Uh, did you get a chance to look at this card, Nick? I'm taking a look right now, because I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it very much. There's also a, a, a professional fight league with Sarah Kaufman on the card. Uh, and Magomed, Magomed, Magomed. <laughs> Uh, and, Roy, and Ray Cooper, the Ray Cooper three, who knocked out Jake Shields twice last year, um, was on that card. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We got Michael Chandler against Patricio uh, Pitbull. Um, they fought before, haven't they? I feel like Chandler's always fighting. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't feel that way, but I'm not sure.